Do Versus the World, a podcast about living, loving, and laughing, getting inspiration through information. And it's not just Drew versus the world, it's actually you versus the world. So today on the podcast, we have Day Mola, the violinist, um, a multifaceted artist and producer and musician. We're and today, first and foremost, I will lo- thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thank and you. Thank you for bringing me on. Yes. And you had, you know, you had your flight and you had to drive, you had to get here and you we're here now. So, so <laughs> I thank you again for so much for um, just taking the time out. Um, so first thing we do here on the podcast is ask a very existential question. And the existential question is, who is Daymola? Who is Daymola? That's a deep question, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm just going to answer it shallow. <laughs> At least right. <laughs> Demola is who you just said I am. Demola is a multi-genre violinist. Um, Demola is an artist, um, mm-hmm. an Afro-pop artist. Demola is a music producer, a songwriter. Um, Demola is a down-to-earth person, someone who believes in equality, someone who believes in, you know, great music and anything that is dope, you know. Demola is a light giver. You know, I want to spread, you know, so much light with my music and I want everyone to feel happy. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty much Demolize. Demolize is an artist, you know, I'm based here in America, but originally from the motherland. I'm from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I was born in Nigeria, you know, I'm fine moved down to the States, you know, so pretty much. But I'm going to leave you with this. Demolize is a king. There you go. Demolize is a king. So. Everything you remember, just just remember the Wallace King. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> so the um, so you're originally from Nigeria. Um, yeah, sir. I, and the research I did, I heard is specifically from Le- Le- Lagos. Mm-hmm. Lagos. Yeah, I was born um, in Lagos. Yeah, Lagos, Nigeria. So yes, how how did you come from Lagos to um the states? Was it your family kind of um? came over or was you how 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 did that kind of I'm, I moved down to the state by myself the first time I came to the states I came on tour um and I would come perform with like different artists performing festivals uh, then I was not Demola the artist I was not Demola the violinist I was just Demola you know a band leader Demola uh you know so I was more behind the scene you know so I was gonna come on tour and come you know to perform like festivals, like I said, perform with artists, you know, play for artists. And that's what I was before. And I was doing that pretty much cool. I was on reality TV shows like the Nigerian Idol, you know, African, you know, all of that whole stuff. So I was behind the scene, you know, in terms of creating music and doing all the rearrangements. So I was pretty much doing a lot. And I would travel to Europe, travel to um different parts of Africa, different parts of, you know, the world. And so I to say, I, I didn't plan on coming to America. I actually wanted to come. I wanted to move down to London because London, UK is bigger in this way. Not not just the music scenery, but it's a, it has a bigger belly for all forms of music in there. So jazz music does very well in the UK. Afrobeat does very well in the UK. Reggaeton does very well in the UK. Every genre of music does very well in the UK. And I just felt like, okay, America is good. America is big. But all other genres of music are not as big and popping here as compared to UK and Europe. So I wanted to move down to London. But when I'm, you know, after a while, I started talking to my friends who were, and they were like, no, come down here. Move down here. You know, give it a shot first. If you don't like it, then you move down to London. I'm like, all right, okay, cool. So I decided to 
you know. And then I came in here. I was like, okay, let me just sit down and do a few things here for a while. And then I said, I got into grad school here too. And then, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back here and do it. <laughs> and I kind of feel like it was a divine plan. It was kind of planned by God for me to be, you know, so move down here. You know, I think it was, I think it was, there's a reason. I don't know what the reason is, but I think I'm leaving the reason already. You know, I'm leaving the purpose while I moved down here. But pretty much I moved down by myself. For myself, no family, nothing. First time I got out of the country, Nigeria, I traveled by myself from school to go perform and back to school. <laughs> so wow. it would always be like that, you know. So how did you how did you feel? How was the transition from you know, obviously like the UK is a little bit. I, I would I would say as far as what you're saying is musically diverse. Yeah, very much diverse. Yeah, so. How moving from that type of atmosphere to, you know, the United States where there's, you know, definitely moving to Houston, which is, you know, at that time, probably a move, moving is like grills, long T-shirts, baggy pants, you know, <laughs> like that type of swag. How was the, the transition from that to that? Okay, I would say... Um... Did you own a pair of baggy jeans? Let's, let's start there. <laughs> okay. I think we should say, I should tell you when I moved down. Okay. Pretty, okay. Okay. I moved down pretty much in 2014. Oh, okay. Okay. Finally. So okay. baggy jeans was that. Yeah. I moved down for the, but I would, I was coming and going, you know, I'd come stay for a few months and perform, go to this other country, mm-hmm. you know, travel and come down and just stay. And then before I move back. You know, but so 2014 was when I decided to say, okay, I'm going to, I think I want to move down here. Mm-hmm. And I moved down here later, 2014. I went back again. I actually went out of the country to tour, but I was living here already. And then I came back fully. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see my ass here and make something <laughs> happen here. But mm-hmm. the whole transition for me was, you know, I was expecting it, you know, because I kind of pretty much leave the move from one here to one space. Yeah. And so yeah. I've yeah. actually, yeah. as like, like on a whole nomadic lifestyle, I got used mm-hmm. to it. You know, but I pretty much felt like I was going to start over moving from my country to another country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty much ready because the starting over is okay. I'm, I'm not going to play with all of these artists anymore. I'm now doing my own thing. So I'm moving to a new country, set myself all together. And then I had my whole plan to start as an artist myself. So I had to pretty much start all over again. And I was ready for it. It was tough. It was cool, but it was pretty much good. You know, I, I knew what I was coming for. I knew what I, I knew what my goal and I know what my end goal is. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't anything major, you know, I was just ready for it. You know, that's dope. That's dope. It's, it's good that you had at least, you know, that goal set so that you wasn't coming, you know, to another, you know, from the restart blindly. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. So, um, so, what got you into music? Like, what was the driving force to get you? Because even before you you left, you you know you were high, I, I, from what I'm hearing, you were kind of high ranked. Even though it was in the background, you were still high ranked in music. What got you into music in the first place? Okay, um, I've always I grew up in a music loving family. You know, my dad, my late dad rather, uh, was very much into. He he pretty much grew up here. Mm-hmm. So he grew up with jazz music and everything, <laughs> ah. you know, so he actually moved down like I did, but he spent time here, went to school here, grew up, you know, so he introduced me to jazz, you know, funk, you know, hip hop, R&B, all of that. And I was quite young. 
my mom, on the other hand, has a very, you know, she listens to diverse music. So she was listening to reggae, listening to all. So both of them were like music aficionados. They were great people listening to great music. And mm-hmm. so I grew up listening to great music. And I've, I've always loved music while I was growing up. So I was introduced to playing like percussions. I was good at pick, playing the percussions. And I was selected to start playing percussions in school. And because I was pretty much the best drummer percussions nice. <laughs> then. And I was like, so, but music was not something that's from an African home that you say you want to do full time. You know, <laughs> so they'll be like, huh? You have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be an engineer. If you're not any of those mm-hmm. things, you don't want to hear it. You know, so I kind of I knew that. So I I mean, I loved sciences. So I just was doing sciences too. I was doing, I wanted to be a medical, whatever, medical scientist, researcher, which I, I mean, I, I did too. And I still am, but, you know, that's not what I really love to do full time as my life and music has always been. So along the line, my brother was playing the piano. My elder brother wanted me to, he wanted, because we pretty much did the same thing. You know, he wanted me to um, play something alongside the action. I'm like, I'm good percussions. And I was like, I was going to play the bass guitar and just lead guitar. And he was like, nah. <laughs> so we got into an argument and my mom had to step in. And I was like, I, 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 you know what? We're just going to resolve this. I'm just going to pick up the violin just because you want me to, not because I want to. And we'll see how it goes. And I went to church, you know, you know how you go to church, black churches and, you, mm-hmm. you know, so I picked up the violin and I started teaching myself because I could read music because I did music. I did music. It was a particular time I spent in school and I did that whole time. I did music for that whole time, other than other classes. And I, mm. I had like A++ on music. So I was like, uh, I think I'm good. Because I told my, when my dad had not passed on then I was in, I was still in elementary school. I told him, I'm like, yo, I'm doing well in music too, as well as I'm doing in sciences. It's like, yeah, that's cool. That's an ad. That's not the main. I'm yeah. like, yeah. But he didn't know that that was going to be the main for me. You know what I'm saying? And over time, over time, over time, I started playing the violin. And the violin introduced me to a whole different world. I started playing, you know, classical music. And from classical music, I could, I started reading about the history of music and understood music really integrally, you know? Right. And all of this was self-taught. I didn't go to any music school. I didn't go to any, um, I didn't go to university to go study. So if you ask people like, oh, did you study music? Nah, I didn't study music. <laughs> Played music. Just picked it up in church and started yeah. doing it. You know, if you want to know what I studied, I studied molecular biology and genetics. So it's way, it's way far from music, right? So, so I picked it up and I started figuring things out, how to read music. And I had a few friends who, you know, also were in church, were doing theory of music. So I'd be like, you put me through this, put me through this. And they would tell me, okay, this. And I had a friend who was playing the violin too. And he was like, yo, you're sounding great. Let me see. You know, and he, I showed him my skills. I figured out my major and minor skills and positions. And he was like, yo, you see, I think you're going to be very dope. And that was it. You know, I just started, then I started looking for how to connect the violin to, you know, pop and hip-hop mm. and Afrobeats and reggae. And I wanted to play not what is written on the sheet of paper or not what the white man plays. Mm. I wanted to play something that Black people and Africans can connect with. Because, yes. listen, string instrument is not something that we as Black people do. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So when I started doing it, it was like, huh? You know, and that's the reason why I, I didn't want to do it. When my brother was like, play the volume, I'm like, nah, it's for white folks. It's not yeah. for me, man. You know? But when I started doing it, I'm like, yo, okay, I'm changing the, I want to change the whole narrative. And it started with me convincing my friends that I play some, you know, Afrobeat song and play some hip hop and play some they hear on radio. They'd be like, like oh, well, okay. Said, yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay. And so, you know, and that was it. Same thing with my brother. 
you know, I had to, I had to, he started hearing me play popular music and he was like, oh, okay. And he all started that way and that's it, pretty much. Now here we are, man. It's a whole journey and it's a lot to accomplish, but it's a lot I've done and I've, I kind of, I'm happy that I actually commenced, you know, playing about it. It's a, it's a long, it's a long journey coming, you know, coming this far, but uh, it's a long way to go. <laughs> a long way to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great because your potential is endless since you yeah. have that, you know, the ability to listen and these covers. So I'm going to tell you one thing, like mm-hmm. off the bat, I was listening to a couple of your songs and I had my, my son, he was crawling on the ground. And I'm listening to your songs. I'm sitting on the couch and he starts like, I was like, okay, so you got one, at least you got that fan. My son's a fan. <laughs> you got two fans. You got a fan of me. You got my son's a fan too. He was, he was like, he was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, I was like, you like this, don't you? So we was listening to, uh, I think you did a cover of, uh, oh man, it was, it's an old song. It's an old cover, but it was like your, one of your cover Spotify playlist. And I was listening through it and he was just like bopping. I was like, you know, you don't know the words to this song because the words to the song you can't learn yet, but <laughs> <laughs> this rhythm is, is vibing, but you know, I, so it seems that you, you also learned the violin out of spite <laughs> a little bit. Like you was like, <laughs> like I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do this. Like, I'll just do this. <laughs> yeah, I'll just do this. I felt like, yeah, you know, sometimes when I talk about stuff like this and I'm like, it's, it's funny how, you know, your life can just turn around, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I say I hate it, I didn't like the violin. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have any. I just went to church. I, I, okay, I'm just going to learn this stuff. I'm just going to yeah. pick it up. I would look at the violin like trash. <laughs> that's how bad it was because, because that's how, that's how we saw it. That's it how it was like, like, yep. what's that? That's not stop that. It's mosquito sound. And exactly. I'm like, I didn't like classical music as such. You know, I'm like, I don't like all that whole stuff. I'm not in cathedral. And I was going to Pentecostal church, you know what I'm saying? But they would always want to sing all those hymns. And and, and I just felt like, okay, this is just for that kind of, I, do, I wanted to play stuff that people can dance in the club. You know, people like the radio, you know, all the praise and worship, you know, in yeah, church. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, not, oh, <laughs> nah, give it to, you know what I'm saying? But, but, you know, in that same church, I picked up the violin and I changed the narrative. You know, like when I'm done playing the whole gospel hymns and all of that, and I start playing some stuff and the drummer, you know, mm-hmm. keyboardist, everybody be like, wait, is this same violin? Like, why did you turn the violin to a saxophone? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I started competing. Like, I wanted to play the same thing the saxophone is to play, but I want to play better. I want to play the same thing the trumpeter is going to play. I want to play better. You know, if you look at the world of bands and all of that, trumpet, saxophone and trumpets are like the lead instruments that, you know, so I'm like, when I pick up the violin, I want to, I want to do the same thing that you're doing, but I want to do it better and do it in such a way that it's more dynamic. You know, that's, that's just the feel I've always had. And, and when it happened, you know, it took a while for, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, <laughs> but it took a while and, you know, now I'm like, hmm, wow. You know, yeah, yeah it all like, kind of wow. came together. Yeah, yeah. came together, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a whole revelation, man. But I'm grateful, man. Yeah, and your and let's go back to your your father. You said that he lived here for a little bit. That I would you say in the states, right? He lived yeah, in the states for a little bit. Oh, what part? Where part did he live in? I think he 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 was in New York. Then he moved to South Carolina. Oh, yes, I think it was South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then he moved. He would travel pretty much. He went to Atlanta. Yeah. You know, he was in New York, and he moved to South Carolina. Was it South Carolina or North Carolina? I can't remember. My mom gave me the whole, but he, I was pretty much young when I passed, when my dad passed on. So, okay. but 
before he passed on, he would say stuff, you know, I would see his college stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll go to America too. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but you know, you know, when I, when I started growing, I kind of felt like, okay, I was doing music. I felt like your know, music, the UK was more diverse. You know, I was yes. like, okay, I don't want to move down there. But right now, nah, I kind of, yeah. I've, I've made up my mind to stay back here. You know, I love you here. I just visit UK. I'm back. I go to UK perform and I'm back. <laughs> so is is your family? Did your family move as well, or are they still in Nigeria? Uh, my brother is here. My brother is a you yeah. know he's a, he's a pianist here too. Mm-hmm. He performs too, but he's not an artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's a he's a pianist and instrumentalist, but he does stuff. He plays with my me and my band. I done a couple covers with him, and they've gone viral on TikTok. And he was yeah. on piano. I was playing the violin. You know, I'm shooting a video with him soon for one of my violin covers that's going to be i'm pushing out a violin cover album soon and he's going to be in on one of them we did a song together it's called a thousand miles probably knowing vanessa carlton okay, so okay. He's, he's, he's going to be playing the piano in that but it was it was you know he other than me and him the rest of the family's back home got you you know so do you go visit I, any any, any uh, at all I go, I go. I mean, I couldn't go last year because of the whole COVID. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I just go. I mean, my my schedule is so tight, right? Yeah. The last time I flew in 2019, the last time I flew to Nigeria, I only flew to Nigeria for like 72 hours. Wow. I flew in. Next day, I had a sound check. The other day, I performed. And the third day, I flew out, flew back. Because I had, to be in, I had to be in California. I had to be in LA for a concert and then to Atlanta for a concert. So it's pretty much like that. Fly in, fly out. And I flew... I had to go in with Boys to Men and um um because I, I play with um uh, Tony Tony Tony, um mm-hmm. Dwayne Wiggins, you know, um Rafael Sadiq. Um okay. so we had to perform anniversary for a particular guy over there in Nigeria who loved Tony Tony Tony. So he had a fly up in and and then also had like Boys to Men. I, I, think, I can't remember which of them was it the Isley Brothers or or it was a big, it was a huge, you know, you know, eighties, nineties kind of concert. You know, so after that, I had to fly for my own event in LA and back to Atlanta. So, I mean, I pretty much, I plan to go this year. I have a few concerts down home this mm-hmm. year, but, you know, the world is still opening up to whole COVID stuff. So yes. it's still pretty much, you know, so 2020 went by, I'm, I didn't go back home. 2021, I will hopefully, you know, go back for like a few concerts. And but 2022, definitely, I'm going to be going home or frequently. That's dope. Um, and, and as far as, your kind of matriculation through kind of your your um your skills. So you went from, you know, learning how to be a violinist and a artist. I mean, well, I say multifaceted artist. Um, what was the point where you started saying, hey, I don't want to be in the background anymore. I kind of want to be front facing. What what drove you to be like, okay, listen, I want to do my own stuff with my own flow and kind of have my own lane. That was the that was the major reason why I was doing music in the first place. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. So while I was growing, I used to be an entertainer. I would take my daddy had he we would buy me um this little guitar. My brother would play the drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousins would play the drums, and I would just compose songs and sing and be strumming a fake guitar. Nice. You know, and I was like, this guitar is not sounding nice. I'll sing and I'll try to tune, make sure that it sounds a little bit okay. But I would always perform at the village town square when we go to the village or mm-hmm. with his friends. And he was always having fun. He would just have me do my stuff. He would like, come entertain us. You know, I'll just come and just, I'll just sing anything from off the bat, mm-hmm. you know. 
but I had an ear for music and all of that, and I could dance when I was young. Right now, I really don't dance anymore, so but I could dance when I was young. So but I've always seen myself in that light. But anytime my, my parents never wanted me to be a musician, you know, they never thought. So you know, this is what you continually tell a child that oh, it's for hobby. It's not profession. It's hobby. Yeah. So, but from growing up, I've always looked up to Michael Jackson. I've always looked up mm. to, you know, for my dad, I knew Stevie Wonder. When my dad introduced mm-hmm. me to Stevie Wonder, you know, George Benson, mm-hmm. you know, Kenny G you know, Joe Pass, you know, um, Louis Armstrong. So I was listening to mm-hmm. all of these people. So I grew up listening to them, you know, James Brown. I grew up listening to all of these core musicians, you know, people who are actually Prince. My dad mm-hmm. was a huge Prince fan, you know, I would listen to, and I've, I've always wanted to be then Fela Kuti, who was, you know, cousin Yusundo, where these are legends in Africa. I've always wanted to be like them. I'd sit down on Sunday and watch two hours lunch, you know, then they would play, music i'll just sit down and watch and i'll always envision myself my mom would be like ah it's cool ah, it's time to go read your book and all of that <laughs> you know so when i said that's why i didn't want to because i didn't see myself as a violinist so i wanted to play the guitar like yeah. mali and mm-hmm. sing you see that mm-hmm. so i'm like i want to play the guitar. but when i started playing the violin i'm like wait who does that play the violin and sing play the violin and dance no fucking body all right Nobody. i'm gonna do this shit mm-hmm. myself exactly. you know and then i started like you know, because the violin brought, so for years, I didn't do all of that, you know, but when I started playing the violin, it brought me to, okay, now I realized that, okay, I was becoming so good and I was so exceptional and different from everyone. Everyone would sound the same, I would sound different, you know, in the whole orchestra, you could feel this boy sounds different, the way he plays, the way he feels the music. And I wanted to do my own thing. I would write my own songs, compose yeah. tunes with, so I'd known that, okay, I, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to. But I've, I would still do this. I love doing this because, of course, it was paying the bills and it was giving more experience and I was meeting more artists, international artists, play for all the gospel singers that traveled down to Africa or traveled down to Nigeria, or the hip-hop artists. I started doing string arrangements, composing for movies, you know, behind the scene. I'm, but I knew from onset. Like I was also a music producer for like two record labels. But I knew I was pretty still very young when all this was happening. Yeah. But I'd known that I wanted to be a, my own artist, do my own thing, but I was just waiting for the right time. Mm. So when I eventually decided to move away from the, from my country and move down to America, and I'm like, yes, now is the right time. I cannot wait any longer. I cannot wait anymore. I was trying back home though, but it just wasn't major. Yeah. You know, but when I moved, I'm like, I am going to start this whole stuff since I'm starting my life all over again. <laughs> So I'm going to, I'm going to start now and reshape and start because it's it's not. So I did my grad school and I was like, "Mm." when it was, you know, I finished my master's, I was trying, I was still trying to do my PhD. I was actually staying my first year. I dropped off my first year of PhD. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Now I want to focus on my music. And they were like, are you crazy? (laughs) You know, how do you come up with a 4.0 GPA? Yeah, you want to drop? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this stuff anymore. So I got in a fight with my supervisor. I got, it wasn't like a fight, but I'm like, yo, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, so moving down here in 2014 slash 20, you know, 2015, that's when I started my grad school. But 2014, I moved down here. In 2014, I had known I was no more going to be playing for anybody behind the scene. Yeah. I want to do my, I, I still got offers to go and play for artists. I was doing that, but I was beginning to get my own gigs as an artist, you know, little by little, little by little, I was beginning to get my own gigs. In 2015, I took a break from performing for like six, seven, eight months just to get myself acquainted with my grad school a little bit more. You know, I was still pretty, you know, young boy moving down, 
yeah. what are you doing? You know, you know, trying to get myself all early, pretty much very much early twenties because we I, I finished my college very fast. So I was like, yo, uh, you know, in Africa, like you're nineteen, you're done with. 18 you're done <laughs> wow. 19 you're done yeah some people are that fast you know i was one of those fast people like 18 19 you're done with your you know with your college so i was like okay when i moved down here i'm like i'm not doing anything for anybody anymore i got gigs i turned them down i'm like if i'm going to be performing i want to be performing as an artist and i know that's not going to happen now i need to build my name and my brand and so i took my time after i had settled in my grad school i got in like two semesters off and i'm like all right I want to put this. I launched myself in 2016 via mm-hmm. social media. That's when I got my Instagram going. That's when I got my Facebook page going. Because I wasn't a social media person. I, gave, I didn't give a push about social media. <laughs> 2016, which is like about four years ago, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Four to five years ago, I got mm-hmm. my Instagram going. I got my Facebook page going. And I'm like, I'm going to start putting out covers. And in 2016, March, April, I put out, you know, first cover, second cover. Yeah. I had my first show. It was people go went crazy. I'm like, yeah, this is what this is. This is how I want to feel on stage by myself, you know. Yeah. And that's it, you know. So it's like you have that thing all in your mind you want to do, and you just wait for the right time to launch it. Yeah, and you feel you you were filling fulfilling a niche that was wide open. There was no that you was filling the space that it's like you know when you think about Amazon, right? And you're like, mm. nobody needed any packages that fast and then when they fulfill this niche you're thinking like now i if i don't have my packages in two days i don't know what to do with myself right Right. so Mm -hmm. it's like you you fulfill this niche of first of all a young black man playing the violin covering popular music that nobody probably was thinking of there there are a couple of other artists and i i'm i'm slipping on this one um woman that is pretty prominent in that but there was no young black man thinking of like like you were saying before violin mm-hmm. is popping they're like ah, all right man this is from like like somebody that work goes to juilliard or something <laughs> like that this is not this is not for the hood like this is <laughs> exactly this is not for the hood nobody's yeah, thinking about right. that so when you cover when you come come with that fire i i can you know it's 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 so powerful that you know us as a people can always turn the culture around and shoving in people's face in different ways. And that's exactly what I feel like you have accomplished. And I just want to ask you, what was that time? What was the one moment that you felt like, Oh, this shit is popping. Like what was there one moment that you had that you felt maybe one moment that went viral or cover that you did that was like officially like, Hey, I am now this Per, like I am now popping. Like how, I don't know how to explain it, but that you felt fully realized. Okay, one of when, yeah. You, if I'm gonna get you, your question is when was the moment I uh, realized that okay, okay, I'm Demola, yes, the artist. Yes, 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 yes the <laughs> okay. artist. Ah, I have to think about it <laughs> because I have a. I might look. I in my head, I've always had this huge image of myself in my head when I started playing and when it started happening. But I wouldn't, I would say in 2018, mm. you know, two years after I started, um, I had like a concert and I had to perform there and it was totally great. You know, 
of course, I was doing weddings, I do private events, but I did that concert and it was like, and I performed with, that was the first time I performed with 2020, 2020 mm-hmm. you know, the group. And, and then I had to open up for them in 2019. That was when it was like, okay, this dream is coming true. Mm. You know, I mean, I was the social media, you're getting reposts and all of that whole stuff. But no, in 2018, I also featured an artist called Juan de Cole. He was a big artist. In, he's still a very big artist in Afrobeats. And in 2018, I was like, okay, this is coming true. You know, as an artist, my, my music was all over TV in Nigeria. You know, we were like, oh, who's this with violin? And a legend on, you know, an Afropop legend on. So it was beginning to come in, you know. But in 2019, I did my first concert, my own concert now. You know, it's not like, oh, they hosted a concert for me. I came to perform my own concert in Houston. And it was sold out. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I this is it. <laughs> this is it. You know, that's not my memory. Like, I'm not going back anymore. Not really gonna take me back. You know, it was sold out. People came. You know, celebrities. Everybody was like, okay. It wasn't like, oh, you know. I'm like, wait. You know, I didn't care about the money. You know, I didn't care about. I, I cared more about the people who came in and the experience we had. And that was a turning point for me. And just after that, I featured David on a song. I had my own song with David in 2019. And yo, you know, even if you've always seen yourself that way, but when it begins to happen, you know, mm-hmm. you begin to look at yourself like, yeah. And that same 2019 was when I got my first, re- I got a repost from the Shade Room on my return of the yep, Mac cover. Yep, yep, yep. That went viral. <laughs> but that same 2019. So I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go. You know? And then I had like a lot of people reaching out to me, uh, people following me, you know, celebrities following me, like, huge celebrities well maybe i'm like okay so this is what's happening you know this is what's <laughs> happening so 2018 yes 2019 it became more affirmative like okay this is it right now i'm like uh you know i want to be in the next level <laughs> yeah, exactly. right now i'm like okay cool what's the next step what's it what's the next thing you know but so so you started blowing up or you saying that you kind of like your definitive moment was in about 2019 2018 Mm-hmm. Um, how has the pandemic, um, like shifted your, your, I guess your, your touring and how, has that have shifted or, or what pivoting have you done to kind of make sure you got yourself still out there? Mm, the pandemic was, the pandemic messed a lot of things up because, okay, just imagine you start blowing up, blowing up 2019, December, November, mm. December, getting shows and getting booked for a whole lot of events and getting booked for a whole lot of concerts. And the pandemic hits in March. Yeah. In 2020. And everything is cancelled. Mm. Every damn thing is cancelled for a whole year. <laughs> I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of opportunities, you know. Mm-hmm. But it opened our eyes to creating new opportunities for ourselves, going live, performing, you know, virtual shows or virtual events. I mean, we'd all say that you know, I have, but it's different from, you know, the pandemic really, really did that. I think it, really, it actually slowed down a lot of the growth that I would have had. And not just me, a lot of artists who were actually blowing up too from that point. So we had to confine everything to virtual and looking for, and everybody came on social media. But that same year, 2020, I got on TikTok. Mm. And now I have over 600,000 followers on TikTok because I blew up on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now it's like 600 and, I don't know, 600 and something thousand followers on TikTok, you know, but I say, if that didn't happen, I probably wouldn't have gone on because TikTok blew up in 2020 during yes. the pandemic. 
I probably wouldn't have even been on TikTok. I probably would be like, ah, ah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, but I've gotten opportunities and I've gotten, you know, a lot of big stuff from TikTok. Imagine having 600,000 people following you on TikTok. 600,000 new people, mm-hmm. not people from your Instagram or Facebook or yep. Twitter or YouTube. 600,000 new people and they crossed over to also follow me on, you know, other platforms. So 600,000 new people knew me, you know? So that's how I said, like, okay, other than, you know, I lost money, right? I lost this, that, but this opportunity gave me more time to grow. It gave me more time yes. to reach more, reach more people, get more clout, you know? And right now, you know, since the world is beginning to open up, I've been, I've taught, I've been to like, I've been doing private events, but I've started my own tour and I've taught like, three cities already, you know, we're trying to get a lot more other cities as soon as the world is, op- you know, opens up, like after summer or during summer or fall, we're looking at fall, you know, for stuff. And, you know, things are beginning to shape up back to normalcy, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully the world is going to get to that point. But meanwhile, we'll see, you know, we're going to just work with what we have, you know. Yeah. It's, is there, was there any time amongst your kind of, um, again, your matriculation to where you're at now that you felt like downtrodden or there was a down moment? And how did you pick yourself up from kind of your bootstraps and start going, pushing forward? So every time I feel that way. Mm. Yeah. Nothing has been handed to me that I haven't worked hard for. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I mean hard, I mean hard <laughs> for. It's always been like that for me. I don't know if it works for other people, but Social media, I have to work hard to grow it. Music, I have to work hard to grow it. Sit down, figure out the sound, mix and master. So, and then promotion, I need to work hard. I'm building my own team by myself. You know, got signed to record label, they were flop. You know, you have to deal with the whole legal issues with that and get yourself out and try to figure things out yourself. It's a whole lot, bro. You know, so every moment I always feel that way, you know, but every moment I always feel excited for the next thing, big thing that's to happen. I always feel elevated. I always feel happy because, you know, it gets better. That's the only way I see. There's only one way for me, only one way forward, you know? So people be, people look on social media and be like, yo, this guy is always playing happy. He's always looking excited because I am. I'm excited. I'm a happy person. You choose happiness, you know? Music, that's my whole, that's, that's that portal that takes me up, you know, from, the hardship of life when i'm making music i'm in whole it's like i'm in heaven mm. i'm shooting i'm recording i'm like i'm enjoying it you know what i'm saying you know that's that's my drug that's what gets that's what gets me high and that you know it takes me up from the low moments and i keep doing it you know because this is what i've always i feel it's my not just a passion it's my whole existence you know but i every i always have that moment where i'm trying to get these and it doesn't work you get a lot of no's in this industry, mm-hmm. in everything you do, you get a whole lot of no's. That yes, you know, you know, you building your brand. It's like I am the brand. I'm the company. I'm yes. the LLC. I'm all mm-hmm. that. And then building this brand to the point where you can command respect from multinational companies and begin to command respect from individuals who stream your music and command not just respect but love and passion from people is hard. And especially if you have a goal that you set for yourself or have goals that you've set for yourself and it's not just coming like it never comes in you say okay this is i'm going to start and this way you're going to get it reach you're going to go like this <laughs> you know a lot of down climbs a lot of mm. clefts you know crests and peak moments and play twos and it happens and so 
as a human, I always feel this, ugh. And sometimes I just soak it in for a while and the next moment it's bounced back. Yeah. yeah, this is part of the thing. So for every of those moments I'm learning, I'm taking what I feel it's all a lesson, you know, what am I learning from this? What am I learning from this? Why does this have to be hard though? Okay, anyways, I'm gonna do it. And then I move to the next step. And you know, it's been it's been great so far, you know. Um, you know, I've learned that life is not a bed of roses, you know. My first traveling out of the country, I had to pay my flights myself. Even if I was coming on tour, I had to pay my flight. You know, <laughs> it's a whole lot of hustle, bro. Like, you have a born hustler. So I'm like, this whole thing I'm doing, it has to make sense. And it has to be exactly, not exactly, pretty much, but it has to be bigger. This goal, I'm going to achieve it. Nothing is going to stop me. Is it out of two things? I have two mindsets. Is it that I die trying to make myself, try, trying to get to a point where I want to get to? You know, is that I die trying to do it or I get it. And that's only, that's the only way I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to quit. And that's what I tell people, young musicians reach out to me. I'm like, how much do you want it? Mm. You know, how much do you want it? You know, like, you know, that if you set a goal for yourself, if you don't hit that goal, sometimes I, these goals are imaginary goals. You're actually not where you were before. Imagine I didn't push myself. Imagine I didn't say I want to start as the model. I'll still be, you know, you, I'll probably not be here on your platform talking yeah. to you. You know, is this where I want to be? Is this present state, you know, where I want to be? No, but have I achieved a lot? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, do I feel like I can achieve more? Of course, yes. Yeah. Will I stop here? No. You know, that's I keep going. And that's what I tell people that like, you just got to keep doing that thing. When you have low moments, enjoy it. It's yes. part of it. It's part of sadness and gloominess and disappointment. It's part of the journey. It's, it's part of the goals. You actually didn't factor that in. You're just looking at the bright side. But for something to be bright, it has to be darkness for you to say, okay, I think this is light. If there's no darkness, then there's no light. You know? So all of this whole thing comes together. And I feel like you know, it, makes, it makes my music soulful because I put all of that in the music. I put all of that emotions and passions in everything I create. And that's why it hits that people can connect with it. Even if I'm not saying anything, they... <laughs> They just feel it in the sound that, oh, oh, yeah, you know. So I feel that. As I yesterday, I was talking to my PR, and I'm like, ah, oh, was it yesterday? Today's Sunday, yeah. Friday, I mean, it was in the midnight, Friday midnight slash Saturday. I was like, I'm just down. I don't feel myself. But I recorded four songs, and they're fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do I feel that same way? No, no, I don't feel that same way. Why? I just don't know. Nothing, not like I got a good news, not of anything, but I just feel better. You know why? Because I need to, I needed to get into that dark cycle for a while and get out of the cycle into something else and get excited and and that that created four great songs. You know, you know, it's just gonna happen like that. You feel that same way too, I'm sure. Man, we all do. Everybody, and it's it's and to your point. It's understanding that you're gonna have your lows and that you're gonna have your highs, and then all life is is living between those middle. <laughs> like, like living in the middle, just like un- understanding that they bo- both sides of this battery, you know, you need a positive and you need a negative part of, to make a battery mm-hmm. like, and that charges your energy. And that's how all life is. It's just keep a charge, keep a charge, keep it going. Definitely, um, and, and it's funny that you say that because um, I don't know if you ever seen the shop. Um, I think it's LeBron James. The shop is on HBO. Okay. Um, and they talked, they talked about greatness, right? 
and what makes great people and what makes yeah. people be great. Right, where they sit in the barber shop, right? Yeah. And they said that's one thing is that, you know, tenacity, like Kobe Bryant had tenacity, MJ had tenacity, LeBron James, LeBron James has tenacity, and they're on a whole different level than other human beings, but they still understand that they are human beings. Yeah. And I think that's to, to what you're saying is the importance of knowing both sides of that spectrum, knowing the lows and knowing the highs. And again, like I said, living in amongst the middle. Mm. Um, so you have all these different things going on for you and all these things you have to do. How do you keep yourself organized? Mm. <laughs> okay. So I have a, I have a team, I have a manager mm. and accountant, I have a PR, I have, you know, videographer and all of that mm-hmm. and they do their part but in terms of getting myself organized i kind of feel like i'm a very disorganized organized person i'm going to explain mm-hmm. that i'm okay. organized because i have things like it's what i want to do i set all my whatever um how am i disorganized i'm disorganized because um when it comes to the creative part you cannot you cannot align creativity linearly mm. like something comes in and it just takes over the whole world like you're okay we're going to change the direction of this right now and recreate it in a different way. And that's where disorganization comes in. I'm going to, ex- in sciences, um, for a reaction to happen, there has to be disorganization. You know, mm-hmm. your entropy and entropy, and there's all this organization, and boom, 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 a reaction takes place, and a reaction takes place and yields to a product. And that's what happens in the creative part. So, my the whole disorganization is really my organized, but that's the part where I'm disorganized. But getting my schedule together, I got all locked down. I do it well, I've learned over time. I've been a band leader. I've been a, I've been a, you know, I've, I've actually managed an artist before, two artists. So I, I've learned that. And so me being an artist, I think that my, when I had my, met my managers, they were like, okay, this, this guy knows a whole lot of shit that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to have all the dots and it is everything. I have everything all together. T's crossed, you know, everything, how we're going to do it. That's just how my life is. And so before I move into a rehearsal, except I just want to do like a free spirit rehearsal, I already know what we're going to work on, how we're going to work on, what we're going to work on, when we should stop, when we should move on over time. And a lot of that comes with playing classical music too. But classical music teaches you a whole lot. It teaches you discipline, you know. It teaches you a whole lot of stuff. And then when you can take that into other basic life and everything you do, you know, I've been able to get that together, you know, but... As a musician, sometimes a show comes up and you're not planning for it. Yep. You know, an event comes up, you're not planning for it. I just see my date is blocked, that email, boom, boom, text message. Hey, you're going to be leaving the country. You're going to be leaving the country in three days. You're going to be leaving the city in two days. Oh, God, that's a disorganization. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's still organized. You know what I mean? Like organized yeah. chaos. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so you touched upon it a little bit about what you would, in, inspiration or what you would say to a uh, new artist, but. If somebody, um, if you can like expound on it a little bit, if somebody came to you as a new artist and wanted to um, reach the lengths that you're trying, that you're getting to or you're at right now, what is some advice you would give them? First question I'm going to ask is what, why? Mm-hmm. What do you want? And why do you want it? Mm-hmm. That would tell me what I'm going to tell you. Mm. Because as I'm just gonna give you a blackhead advice. What's the blackhead advice? Oh, work hard. Everyone says that. <laughs> oh, be tenacious. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Stick. You know. You know. Work with the right people. You know all of that whole yeah, stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. blackhead shit. Yeah. But when I want to really talk to somebody, I ask you, what do you want to achieve? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And why do you want to achieve it? It tells me what to tell you. Yes. That will tell me how high you think, you know, because I might look at you and think that, oh, this person is going to go this far. This is how I see you. And I talk to you and I see that this is how you see yourself. So it simply means that the work I want to tell you to do, you probably wouldn't do it. Exactly. So I'll just say, okay, if this is how you see yourself and this is what you want. And I'm going to tell you, okay, so what if this, and I'm going to listen to what you're going to say. Is what you tell me that's going to let me know that, okay, I don't waste your time. This is what this person wants to achieve. Give this person what this person is going to do to achieve that. Because a lot of times I tell people, um, I'm like, we all want things, but we, where we want it is different. Mm. You know, we, some people are, ah, oh, I want to be famous. I want to be this. They just want to be famous. Why do you want to be famous? They don't know. You know, ah, I don't want to be this, this, this. I want to make money. That's why you want to do it. These are the things I hear. Okay, you want to make money. Okay, so if you want to make money, this is what to do. This is how to do it. She, I'm not that, you know, but I can tell you like so far, this is what I've done. Oh, I want to reach lives. Okay, now you're thinking way beyond money. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say, okay, I, so why and how? Then I'm going to ask more questions. I just want to do it because everyone is doing it. Everyone thinks I'm dope. So, oh, everyone thinks you're dope. Oh, okay. Then it tells me what to tell you. You know, so that's how I kind of, but if I'm going to give you a blanket, whatever, I'm just going to say, hey, work hard, you know, don't give up on your dreams. Um, look for the right people, the right minded people, you know, that you feel like connect with you and have similar journeys or similar, what you want to achieve. They've probably done it and go study their lives, you know, take your time, look at what they did, you know, what they've done and, you know, how you know, how you can implement that and take some of their successes or whatever, the tools to their successes. You can, you know, take that and implement that in your life, you know, a whole lot of stuff, you know, but never you just think that this journey is easy. This journey is not easy. It's not easy for anybody, especially if you were, you know, especially if you were, yeah, one, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> if you're this, whatever, yeah. and then you were not born with a silver spoon. Oh mm-hmm. God, it's a whole <laughs> lot of work. You know, I, mean, I I tell people like I tell anyone, and especially young people who are each other, like, yeah, bro, I don't have money, I don't have this, I I don't have money to, mm-hmm. I don't have this and I don't have that, but I, everything I have has not been given to me free. I've worked for it, yeah. so be ready to be ready to slave a little bit for people. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not a good it's not a good thing to do, but but that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the money, you're gonna work. Uh, work for people i call it slavery because you're going to have to fulfill their dreams for a while and get what you need to get the experience and the funds that you need to establish yourself yes. but it's a process for you because joseph in the bible went through that you know everybody who's been great has gone through that it's called apprenticeship you learn from people you work for people you did your time and everything towards pushing their own growth. We are going to learn towards that, but look for the right people to do that for, you know, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot that I really like. To, I don't like to talk about blanket shit because if they want to talk it to people, yeah. I kind of like want to talk deeper because it, our whole life is different. Mm-hmm. You know, if what I'm going to tell somebody who is a saxophonist is different from what I'm going to tell somebody who is a violinist, or what I'm going to tell someone who is a trumpet, or what I'm going to tell someone who is a singer, or what I'm going to tell someone who is a rapper, you know, but there's just one common thing, you know, work hard don't give up find a mentor you don't have to talk to him every time just follow him watch his life you know read about his person and all of that and just know that life is not easy so when you're knocked out enjoy that down moment rest (laughs) don't don't try to rush up just rest Mm -hmm. gather yourself and get up and move again it's just part of the process you know
It's yeah, part of the I, process. I like that first question though. That that question why that's that's so important. Yeah. So Ooh. important. Um. So the last question I usually ask everybody another existential question. I start with ex- existential question and I end with existential question. And oh, so you've been asking me these questions? <laughs> oh God, I didn't even know. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. This is this is like the big question. Okay. Um, what are you doing or what do you want to do to change the world? What I want to do to change the world. I think I've started already, but huge part of it, I would say, I'm going to deviate a little bit. I did sciences when I went to school, mm-hmm. medical sciences, I did all of that whole research. And, there was a, and people ask me, oh, you came out great with all of this. You had very great GPAs and you're good researcher. And why are you focusing on music? I'm like, music is my whole existence. Mm-hmm. Then why did you have to do grad school with all of this? Because I wanted to get knowledge and experience from this, right? But part of the things why I'm doing, why I did that is because in Africa, I want to establish a huge, 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 now huge <laughs> biomedical research institute where people can go and learn talented people research because a lot of a lot of people are experienced and talented. Now, I don't say this on every platform, but you're deeper than most platforms. That's why I'm saying this. Um, this secret to every, to the growth of a continent or the growth of a country or the growth of an empire is how much power and how much empowerment the youth have. The reason why our race as black people is still behind, I'm sorry, I thought this is because, it's because we haven't taken our time to empower everyone equally. Only a few people stick out mm-hmm. and have powers and all of that. The only reason why I'm doing this is to empower black people, is to lift up Africa, lift up black people across every part of the world, because that's where we came from. Yes. You know what I'm saying? This whole reason why I'm doing it. Now, another major reason why I'm doing it is to unify the world with music. Oh, why do you make this kind of music? Why do you play covers from different countries? I'm like, because I don't have lyrics. And if I play a song that is in, I, I've done a few tracks on India, whatever, it has gone viral. And they're like, oh, we love it. <laughs> but they don't, I couldn't speak the language, but I could speak the language yes. with my instrument. Now I want to unify the whole, because I only believe in one race, the human race, right? And I want to believe that one of the ways to bring people together, you know, is through music. And if I'm able to do that effectively well as a black man, I'll be able to bring everybody down to the right source where motherland started, where life started, and unify people. And it kind of is deep. And I cannot just do that with just music. I need to do that with money. I need to do that with influence. But you get to a certain level like Jay-Z where you've done music to a point, you're very rich. Mm-hmm. Now you have influence. You get to a certain point like Michael Jackson where you've done music to a point, point and you have influence. Music will unify people and make people feel good. But influence and money is power. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to make a lot of money from music where I can build things, like huge things in Africa. Huge things. When I'm in Africa, I mean, like, I don't just mean in Africa continent. I'm talking about even here in America, I see, like, Black people. And that's why I, every time I do, like, pop music and I'm interviewed on, like, white podcasts and I'm interviewed <laughs> on white whatever, when I say this, they, they kind of connect differently because the reason why a whole lot of things fail was because, pause, was because we lost power. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if a lot of Black people can stand up and not just be individually rich, 
and individually influential, but we can lift at least 50% of the people and empower them. Africa is going to be saying different things in the next 40 years. I want to be one of those people who's going to make it happen. For us Black people all over the world, have a huge institute where, you know, talented Black kids are given scholarships regularly, where talented instrumentalists, talented musicians have access to the world best people. And Asia has been doing that. Mm-hmm. And they're taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, but yeah, no one spoke about China 15 years ago. Now China's China is a threat oh, yeah. to the whole world. Not them, China, Japan, North Korea. No African country, no black country is is even near there. Mm-hmm. And we need to do something about it. And that's why I'm doing my music. I love my music, but I want to get to a place of influence and affluence and power. And not just me, where I can team up with like-minded people yes. and we can do something for us as a people. You know, so unifying the world via music, yes, great growth, great there. Yeah, but my people too. That was the that was the one of the best answers I've ever heard to their question. <laughs> one of the best, best Thank answers. Thank you. Thank you. And it's so Man, you're you touched on a lot of a lot of important parts. That part of influencing the youth, people have strayed away from that. And you're just like definitely kind of growing up in households where you're told to be silent when you're talking. And right. just growing ups are talking, you gotta get out this room instead <laughs> of, you know, that that conversation you're having can be the catalyst to that child wanting to own a company or wanted to mm. help with the car or even, you know, some grown up conversation you don't want them to be a part of, but like there was a point where, and I'll give it myself an example where my uncles are having conversations about their businesses. Right. And they're mm-hmm. sitting down and they're talking about money and they're talking about, you know, things that, you know, they're trying to create and trying to build. And me not knowing that now, if I was in that room, I could have a lot of stuff that I had to think about growing up. I could have just had, got the information from them and that cut, cut down half of the work I had to do. Yeah. And, and that's important that you're saying that to give to the youth because, and you know, children are the future. We all know <laughs> the song, but it's so important. And then to the other point of you saying that to have a biomedical influence in the world that people of color that look like us to have a biomedical influence would be huge because when you control biology, when you control sciences, that's the real strength of a people. That's true. Because to the point of where people can come to us and be like, okay, the world renowned specialist in neurosurgeon is uh, Damola, and he's his friends are also the world biologists like of they do heart they do brain they do all this stuff you got to come to us to to get the information that's it and and it's internally will make us strong as a people because once they have to come to us like you said that's where this comes from (laughs) that's where the money comes comes from and then you You and then after that hey I'm not saying world domination, but I said like you said world influence is strong enough see if you if we if we are (laughs) Um, there's living, I mean, while I was growing, I was always reading about slavery because, so the disparity, now this is a quick deviation, but this is something I I would want to share on this platform. Mm -hmm. 
the disparity between black people in diaspora. Mm-hmm. I'm not part of people that black people in diaspora and black people back home in the it's just it's just a little connection that we don't know. People read about slavery from a colonial mentality. People read about colonialism from a slavery mentality. Mm-hmm. It's all different experiences, but it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Hugely the same thing. It just has differences, but it's heavily the same. So the same thing black people were going through over here were the same thing black people worse were going through back home. But a lot of black people here didn't know about that. And a lot of black people black home don't know about that here. And that's why for somebody who has experienced both sides, grew up not like, oh, I was two years old when I left. No, I was not two years old when I was left. I was, I was, I was more than a, t- I was a teenager when I first traveled out of the country. So I knew what was going on, you know? If we, the reason why I feel like black people as a whole, now you might take this off your podcast, <laughs> put it, is seen a little bit below. It's not just because of the single man strength. It's because of the combined strength mm. that we don't have. Mm-hmm. With, with power, I mean, with wealth, influence and affluence comes a level of power that no one can say shit to. Mm-hmm. And because we don't have enough, yeah, we have rich black people, the richest black man is from Africa, the richest black woman is from Africa, for my country, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. But that's just one, two, three, four. We have just single people who are doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have nations, we don't have cities that can stand up effectively and powerful to European countries and Asian countries at par. And because you can't do that, yep. they're going to look down on you. The moment we have, you know, the moment we have um, not just African nations, but we know we have a lot of black people collectively powerful, influential music. Yes. Not just your talent, but I can become the Michael Jackson of tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. But how does that affect us as a people? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It affects the whole world. Everyone is going to love it. Yeah, he's a black man who did this. <laughs> a black man who did that. Michael Jackson, yes, king of pop. He was black. Oh, Prince, yes, this, this. Yeah, we have them. But we don't have a people. We have a singular person. Now, the moment we have people collectively yep. who can unify to do stuff, then whoever is your oppressor will be scared. So at that point in time, he comes to you he comes to you knowing that, okay, I, there's nothing I have over you. Yes. You have it. Now I want to talk to you like I want to talk to my peer. Because I know that if, mm-hmm. if I say, like, this is same, see the way America is talking to North Korea now. Yep. Mm-hmm. This was not happening 30 years ago. See the way America is talking to, to China. It was not happening 30 years ago. Now mm-hmm. you cannot just say anything to them. Well, you want to launch your own, you want to, you want to launch your nuclear weapon. I'll launch mine too. <laughs> or you want to shut down the economy. I'll shut, I'll shut down too. So, so now everyone is like, oh, you cannot just say anyhow. Why? Because they've built themselves to that place. And that's where we as black people, as a country, as a people, we need to do that in all professions, in medical, in music. And what you need to understand that it goes beyond my profession. It goes beyond my career, my passion. It is collectively for the people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a really person who believes so much in black unity across the world and upliftment of my people. You know, so in anything I'm doing, my music, my whatever, I always think of, okay, God, when I become this big, I hope to have like-minded people I can unify and team up with 
to create something like this that will build my people. So when I die, and I'm maybe in the next world, I'll be able to look down on the world I passed on and be like, okay, so what's up? Who's taking over? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's a... Man, that what a huge task. <laughs> huge task, 100% doable, and that you're taking on. I, I commend you for that approach. That Thanks, man. People of, you know, our skin tone have haven't even dove into that mentality yet, and that's it's it's great that to hear that somebody at your level realizes that and can see that and is planning for that, and it, that makes that makes me happy. <laughs> that makes me happy that you know the works. There's somebody that is actually at a higher level that is understanding that that's super important to become better people than we are now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the evolution of our journey as, you know, coming from a slave mindset to a conqueror's mindset True. Um, that I don't think we have yet. Um, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was the, <laughs> that, that's, that's the part where, you know, people need to, to tune in they need to write notes they need to take notes and understand um and they need to really dial into a lot of the information i don't care what color you are but you need to dial in into the information you just shared it's so hyper important for the again the evolution of us as black people people, and people got to understand that if you want a great world everybody has to be great True. Like, why don't people understand that? That's true. Stop people putting foot on people's neck, literally and figuratively, and keeping them down. Because the more people you keep down, you're not making this world a better place for you and me. You're making this place a better place for you. True. And and once you true. come out the picture, who you think is going to eat or try to eat you is the people that you put their foot on. That your you neck. put your foot, yeah. Instead of you know as equals and be like okay now how are we working together <laughs> so yeah okay we could go to the se- <laughs> we go to the <laughs> section i like to call it shots fired you, you got the radical part of me going you got the radical <laughs> but <laughs> um we're going to go to the section called shots fired um it's what i like to call elevated icebreakers um and it starts off very simple and it gets a little bit more thought provoking at the end so first thing that comes to your head you let it fly after the question's answered is that cool okay (laughs) um all right are you ready for shots fired i'll try (laughs) all right and away we go this is shots fired what's your favorite color red what's your favorite sport soccer What's your favorite cereal? Uh, you don't know, Golden Morn. Okay. What's your favorite drink? Water. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Oh. Roots. What's your favorite movie that you hate to love? <laughs> That's a hard one. I have to think for a movie that I hate to love. Like I get, okay. I've been getting a lot of answers of the Notebook. 
like uh, things like that. Like, like you just literally like, oh man, I can't believe I'm watching this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really. I used to watch a lot of movies when I was growing, but I stopped watching like movies, movies, movies like that. Okay. You know, so but I'm not. Let's keep that. <laughs> think yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, yeah. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, my favorite TV show. It changes, it changes. But I knew I like Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. I knew I liked that. And I liked American. the America Horror movie. And then yeah. I also liked the Prison Break because it was a show then. And uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your favorite type of music? Come on, don't ask me that. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, this is a stumper right here. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's hard, man. Ah. Oh, I love R&B a lot. I love okay. pop a lot. And I love Afrobeats a lot. So choose whichever one. Okay. What's your favorite? Um, who's your favorite artist? And the artist doesn't have to be a musical artist. It's anybody whose art provokes emotion to you. So it could be a dancer. It could be a singer. It could be a rapper. It could be a painter. It could be anybody who's in the arts. So it's, it's also one of those hard stuff for me because all of them are all there. But I'm just going to say Felakuti. Okay. You know, uh, what's one place you want to visit you haven't yet? Uh, I know I wanted to go to, I want to go to Bali. Okay. If you had a time machine, would you go back in time or forward in time? Forward. What fictional world or place would you like to visit? Wakanda. There you go. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah. Um, Wakanda. If you, you can have any fictional character as an imaginary friend who would it be superman and superman as a child what did you want to be when you grew up me there you go <laughs> me right now <laughs> who is your celebrity crush uh it changes every time rihanna currently okay who would you change places with for one day who would i what who would you change places with for one day Right now? Mm-hmm. Bruno Mars. Okay. Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, went the, you went the money and the power. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> um, if you had a talk show, who would be your first guest, dead or alive? And what would you ask them? Prince. Mm-hmm. What's the first question you ask them? Was how do you draw your inspiration? Well, how does it come? Like how for fashion and music combined? What would be the name of your autobiography? No thought of that. I probably must call it Demola. Okay. Um, what's the most out of no? Sorry. What's one superpower you want to have? What's what? What's one superpower you want to have? Read people's minds. Okay. Um. It's going to help me a lot. I can read everyone's mind. Mm. And I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> that first day is going to be rough. Oh, it's uh, rough. <laughs> uh, what's you the remember most... that movie, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the first... Uh, what's the most out-of-character thing you've ever done? Uh, fight publicly. Okay. At a... Um, trying to say it's like a, a station park you know i was quite younger then i got really out of my i was upset and i got i mean i used to, I used to get in fights when i was quite young <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's it okay 
Um, last question in Shots Fired, and my, my favorite question. What is your death row meal? I need an app, I need an entree, and I need dessert. This is the last meal of your life. I need an app, I need an entree, and I app? need a dessert. Yep. Like an app? Appetizer. Oh, I can appetizer. Okay. Yes, oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh. oh, I hate to think of death, bro. <laughs> but I know how I want to die. But I never, I never thought of what I would like to eat. I'll take ice cream as my dessert. I'll eat full and a goosey soup as my meal, as the entree and the appetizer. Yeah. I never thought of the appetizer, but I know I'm, I'm big on African food, so I, <laughs> I probably might take some African appetizer. I'll think about that when that time comes. Okay. <laughs> I hope the time doesn't come, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will come though. Everyone's going to die someday. I think I know it's going to be like a maybe like ninety years from now. Okay. Uh, so wow. That's that's how long I'm going to leave. She. <laughs> I, I was like, by that time, I'm hoping that we figured out how to take your consciousness and put it into robots and stuff like that. It's not <laughs> that far. That's not that far down the line. About twenty, thirty years. I'm like, whatever, whoever. I need to if I need to be the first round of people, I'll be that first round. <laughs> Live forever. Um right. but yeah. But then you of course you get the vampire syndrome where you're living forever and all your friends and family die and stuff like and that. Everybody yeah. dies and then you new people you have to start making new friends and after mm-hmm. that you be like, Oh, I'm tired of life, I just wanna go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when the time comes, I'll get that feeling. And if I get that feeling, I will figure something out then. But exactly. 90 years from now, I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty much young. I still want to, you know. <laughs> exactly. All right. But but that was Shots Fired. Again, okay. man, thank you for your time. Um, can you tell everybody how they can find you, any upcoming events, um, and anything else? Okay, so um, upcoming, upcoming projects, I'm going to be releasing Classics with Dumala. Classics with Demola, it's a 14-track um, album. I'm going to be releasing it in series. The volume one is going to be out. It has Return of the Mag Dilemma, all of these good, great songs, you know. Um, there are classic songs that have been, you know, songs in the 80s, 90s. No, 90s. That's from the 90s. Um, my next project is going to be my original violin album. It's going to Classics with Demola is dropping on May 7th. I've not put it out on my social media yet. Um, Exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's going to be dropping on May 7th in July. I'm going to be dropping my violin album, original violin album. And then before the end of this year, I'm going to be dropping another classic with Demola where I'm thinking of the 80s and 90s, you know, where you, you know, feel, yeah, you know, great, great music from old school, 80s and 90s. And then I'll be dropping singles from my vocal album. It's the fusion of Afropop, um, you know. Um, yeah, you ask my social media is at Demola Violinist. That's at D E M O L A V I O L I N I S T at Demola Violinist on Facebook. It's official Demola on Instagram at Demola Violinist TikTok at Demola Violinist Trila at Demola Violinist Twitter at Demola Violinist. Um, yes, yeah, Spotify. You can find my music on Spotify D E M O L A Demola. Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere. Demola, 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 Demola. <laughs> Apple Music, Demola. YouTube, Demola. What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Yeah, I'm going to be having a... Some date, dates are not yet set, but in summer, I'm going to start touring back uh, my own shows um, in Seattle, Tacoma. I'm going to be in Virginia. 
July to um, August, some dates are going to be out. So we're trying to look at the states that are open, you know, also looking at some dates in Detroit in July and in August. Um, as soon as the cities begin to open up, um, we're going to start announcing dates in Atlanta too. We're looking at some dates in August too. Um, where are you from, Drew? Well, I'm from New York, but I'm, I live in Charlotte right now, Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, yeah, Charlotte. Okay, cool. Because we're also looking at some dates in Charlotte, but we're trying hey. to... Yeah, trying to look at uh, having the world normalized a little bit. And then, so we're looking at more dates in the falls, in the fall. And then hopefully I have a lot of stuff as, um, announced and we'll go from there, you know. Shit, man, if, you, if you're in Atlanta, that's that's nothing but three miles three mile to drive. So I'll be out there. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's I, I have a mask on because Atlanta been wilding, but I'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'll good. be out there. <laughs> great, sure. man. That would be dope. So the last thing we do here on the podcast, after the last thing we did on the podcast, is say our catchphrase. And the catchphrase is love, peace, and chicken grease. So Why chicken grease, though? Chicken grease. Okay. I love when people ask this question. So the love part, of course, the uh, peace, of course, but chicken grease is the unifier for everybody. Everybody enjoys chicken and what comes true. what's the pr- produce of that chicken chicken grease true <laughs> it's so, a southern thing too <laughs> that's, that's dope so you say love peace and chicken grease yes so how do i say it what love need- peace and chicken grease there you go <laughs> and this has been another episode of drew versus world thanks again buddy thank you so much man i appreciate you